0: From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Bijan Steven, and you're listening to Eclipsed.
1: Assuming the Soviets do not pull out of Afghanistan anytime soon, do you favor the U.S. participating in the Moscow Olympics? No.
0: On January 20th, 1980, Jimmy Carter sent the Soviet Union an ultimatum. Either pull out of Afghanistan in a month, or face sanctions and a boycott of the Summer Olympic Games. Three days later, Carter gave his State of the Union speech.
2: Verbal condemnation is not enough. The Soviet Union must pay a concrete price for their aggression.
0: By May, with the Games looming and no Soviet withdrawal from Afghanistan, Carter went ahead with the plan to boycott the Olympics. He urged other nations to join him. And in the end, 65 countries went along with his plan the athletes from the countries that supported the boycott lost out on their chance to compete. For a lot of them, it might have been their only shot.
1: The mood is not good here in the training center dormitories. What you're hearing is a ballad written by two women's handball team players about their sport. This week, they added some new verses. Well, we got
2: back home and what a blow. Peanut Carter won't let us go. He uses athletes as his
1: guns.
0: While all of this is happening, Alberto Mercado, Jose Molina, and Luis Pizarro keep training for the Olympics. That's because Puerto Rico isn't part of the U.S. Olympic delegation. It has its own committee. So the boxers have some hope that they can still compete. The Puerto Rican boxers have actually been on quite a roll during the lead-up to the Olympics. After the Pan Am Games, Mercado wins gold at the World Cup fighting at Madison Square Garden. Molina seems proud of the team they formed. — We we all
1: all worked really hard together, and I'm gonna repeat this, but we won two golds, a couple of silvers, a bronze, seven total. We really did an amazing job together. —
0: But then the boxers start to hear rumors that Puerto Rico will boycott the Olympic Games as well. Here's Luis Pizarro, the youngest of the boxers. He was overjoyed when he first heard he was going to the Olympics. The whiplash is excruciating.
1: I thought, I'm not gonna be able to compete in the Olympics. I felt deceived.
0: I felt bad. So bad. But Pizarro and his teammates keep training. They're determined to be ready if they're given the chance to win gold. Welcome back. Before we get any further into the story, I'd like to explain a bit of history. Here to help us is Antonio Sotomayor. He's a professor of Latin American Studies at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. He wrote a book about Puerto Rico and the Olympics called The Sovereign Colony.
2: Puerto Rico's Olympic sport is a double story of colonialism, but it's a
0: story of national identity. As Sotomayor explains... Puerto Rico's sports sovereignty was less about athleticism and more about political strategy. It all started with World War II, when the Olympics were canceled. After the war ended, the International Olympic Committee wanted to restart the Games, and they needed to send out the invitations. Puerto Rico made the list. But the Olympic Charter says no nation can have two delegations under the same flag. So a person on the committee took matters into his own hands and persuaded America to let Puerto Rico compete as itself. If us, the
2: U.S., want to appear to be, you know, democratic and anti-imperialist because we defeated the Nazis, then we need to, we need to allow these people, this delegation, to participate. And it was a diplomatic move, cultural diplomatic move, soft power, that the U.S. said, OK,
0: Puerto Rico can, can participate. Anyway, back to the 80s. There's another Puerto Rican sports team that's set to go to the Moscow Summer Olympics.
2: Puerto Rico Rico had a good basketball team. They they showed phenomenally. During the Pan-American Games in 1979, they had a powerhouse team that
0: almost beats the U.S. at that game. They take silver that year. The U.S. wins gold. You have to imagine that both teams are looking forward to a rematch at the summer games. And so, when Carter announces the boycott, the pro-statehood Puerto Rican governor is willing to go along with it. This is despite the fact that the island's Olympic committee wants to send athletes to Moscow.
2: So they wanted to participate, but they pulled the money. The Puerto Rican state pulled the money from the Olympic Committee, so now they had to then, you know, go into fundraising activities and going to the, you know, street lights with a little bucket. Could you please give just, you know, a quarter, just a dollar, if you can, for the Olympic uh, delegation?
0: The athletes have to do their own fundraising to even have an Olympic delegation. It also means they're going against the official stance of the Puerto Rican government. The basketball team doesn't raise enough to make it to Moscow, so they're out of the Olympics. But the committee does find enough cash to send their other national heroes, the three boxers who had done so well at the Pan-American games. Here's Molina.
1: Everybody else was taking a step back. I took a step forward. Luis stepped forward, Alberto stepped forward. We agreed.
0: So now the boxers are the only Puerto Rican athletes still on track to go to Moscow. Of course, this puts a target on their back. They've made an enemy of the Puerto Rican government, which fires up a new campaign to get them to skip the Olympics. But Mercado seems unfazed.
1: Why did the U.S. boycott? Uh, because of the Soviet invasion of in Afghanistan. Me and, that's, and that's not my problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Alberto Mercado is just like that. He's brash, as outspoken now as he was back then. So even though all of the teammates are going against their government, Mercado is doing most of the talking and taking most of the heat. That's why the political cartoons in the museum tend to focus on him. And it might be why he's surrounded by an entourage today. His friends still believe in Alberto Mercado the symbol. As we walk around Calle, we're joined by a couple of his friends. One helps arrange all his appointments. The other, Carlos, is writing a book based on his life. Carlos also kept asking if we knew anyone at Netflix, which, for the record, we do not. Back in 1980, the pressure campaign against Mercado gets intense, and then it gets personal. His hometown depends on government resources, and Mercado defying it begins to make his neighbors nervous.
1: Officials say the Puerto Ricans do not need to be reminded that there are numerous aid bills for them pending in Congress, that the president has veto power over these bills. Yeah, uh, they, they would say, please don't go to Russia, because if you go, we're going to lose the food stamps, we're going to lose Medicare, we're going to lose all that economic aid.
0: Mercado's friend Andres jumps in to explain that they feel it was the Puerto Rican government itself that was stirring up paranoia. But even confronted with taking food out of his neighbors' mouths, Mercado will be Mercado. How did
1: that make you feel? I sent them to hell.
0: But the government pressure didn't let up. The campaign culminates in an open letter from a Puerto Rican senator. It's published in every newspaper in the country. To quote the letter. In Korea and Vietnam, young, idealistic Puerto Ricans like you died in the defense of democracy. But you traveled to Moscow to back the communists, and you forget those who gave their lives for your freedom. The letter made a moral appeal. It basically asked him to put his pride away and not go to Moscow. If there was a threat, which I think there was, it was implicit. Meanwhile, Mercado's parents are living in public housing, and Mercado claims the government is pressuring them directly.
1: My father would tell me there would be other Olympics. He'd say, leave it. Don't participate.
0: But Mercado remained unbowed.
1: And I just ignored it. I disavowed sort of the boycott. I wanted to be the first Puerto Rican to win gold in the Olympics. I had a, a huge opportunity.
0: And besides, boxers only last so long. I
1: was not going away for the next Olympics because this sport is very short, very brief.
0: And his teammates felt the same way. Here's Molina.
1: For me, the political act would have been not going because this is about sports. It's not like we were going to go over there to debate war or make preparations like that. We were there as athletes to compete. You think I'm going to wait four years to go to another Olympics? That was my
0: time, I was going.
2: time.
0: <laughs> But the pressure in Puerto Rico has become too much. It's a distraction from training. And they're even worried that they might be detained if they try to go to Moscow directly. And those weren't unfounded fears. Mercado had actually lost his job after criticizing the government. So the three boxers and their trainer hatch a plan. The plan? Flee to Mexico. And we're back. In Mercado's telling, it's 4 a.m. at the airport in San Juan. The boxers are about to board their flight to Mexico. It's not exactly like they're sneaking out of the country. There's a crowd there to see them off, complete with press photographers. As Mercado is walking across the runway to the plane, a stranger approaches.
1: Somebody, he doesn't know who it is, Walked up to him, gave him that sign and
0: said, this is, you can show this to the press. It read, soy olimpico, no politico. I'm an Olympian, not a politician. I don't think Mercado still has the sign, but there's a photo of it in his museum. You know, it's funny. This is a motto that's carried Mercado through his decades of public life, and he got it from a random guy who just handed it to him. The Mercado I saw in the museum, the Mercado we're following, is a young, handsome man with a luxurious mustache and fists of iron. But I can see why he didn't think that going to the Olympics would be a political act. Because, think about it, the world was insane then. Kind of like it's insane now, but without the benefit of hindsight.
2: After several hundred political prisoners were released from jail in Kabul, 300 of those prisoners were rearrested and executed.
1: Pakistan is now terrified that it will be the next target for the Soviet troops.
0: This was the height of the Cold War. The Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan and had installed a favorable leader. The threat of nuclear annihilation was hanging over everyone's heads. And I think what's worse is that it felt that way even though Jimmy Carter and Alexi Kosygin were trying to avoid it.
1: If a broken arrow message is ever flashed signaling a nuclear weapons accident within the United States, will we be ready to
0: cope with it? And here's Alberto Mercado, a guy who grew up rough in Calle, a small town on a small island with a proud history. He and his teammates have been chosen to represent everything Puerto Rico stands for on the biggest stage in the world. In my judgment, what we are doing is preserving the principles and the quality of the Olympics, not destroying it. Why should Mercado care what Jimmy Carter thinks? Mercado's got golden dreams. I didn't meet that guy. I met the man he became. A little stooped, sure, but still proud of his journey. Back in Mercado's museum, his friend Carlos put things into perspective. It's
2: more than boxing. It's more the medals. It, it, it was the decision that he took at this moment
0: that made him brave. Soy olimpico, no politico. Mercado flashed that sign to the camera and boarded the plane to go train in exile. And then the plane took off. On the next episode of Eclipsed, the boxers continue their journey to Moscow via Mexico City. Eclipsed is a production of Campside Media. It's hosted by me, Bijan Steven, and written by Michael Canyon Meyer. We're produced by Lane Gerbig and Joe Hawthorne. Archival research by Caitlin Rathie. We're fact checked by Alex Yablon. Our engineer is Garrett Tiedemann. Our theme song is by Doug Slaywin. Our executive producers are me, Bijan Steven, and Michael. I Am the Greatest, Kenyon Meyer. The executive producers at Campside Media are Matt Schaer, Adam Hoff, Josh Dean, and Vanessa Gregoriadis. Special thanks for production assistance from Callie Hitchcock. And a big shout-out to Alan Gomez, who helped report and translate this series. Special thanks to Mark McAdam for composing some original music for this series. If you want to say hello or what's up, drop us a line at eclipsed at campsidemedia.com or tweet at us at EclipsePod. Or you can send us a text. We're at 917-810-3294. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at BijanSteven on Twitter and Twitch. On Instagram, I'm BijanCakes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.